our buddy Rob Brown now. Rob, I, I you know how this goes every Thursday. We're going to just probably react to whatever the hell we see. Things can get a little crazy. Uh, what are your early, maybe not thoughts on this game because it's only been one drive, although Dallas is just marching down the field, but just the overall thought process going into this, what you bet, what you liked, what you didn't. I'm only The thing I'm concerned about is a blowout on Dallas's side and then none of the props come home because of that. That's exactly the thought I had. Same thing. Like, it is wildly frustrating to me that Dak Prescott's actually doing it this time, right? Instead of, like, having a really good team and Dak's dragging him backwards, he's actually getting it done now. And it's destroying (laughs) me as somebody who loves watching bandwagon fans be sad. It's making me sad. Shut the up. (laughs) He's making us a lot of money right now. So, no, I'm in the same boat. Like, I I am very concerned that the fourth quarter becomes uh, a run fest for the Cowboys. So I did go with a Pollard over yardage prop to kind of hedge against some of the uh, some of the passing numbers I went with. But yeah, no, I went a lot of Cowboys and I went with a Geno pick. How do you not think Dallas How is going to end up with a pick at some point? Minus 160. You got to put that in some sort of SGP, baby, because that's a lot of juice, juice to pay. Uh, I do want to ask you about some Seattle props. Did you do anything? Because the one thing that you can say about Seattle's receivers is they are consistently inconsistent. One game, DK goes off. Another game, uh, Lockett goes off. Another game, uh, we've got uh, JSN going off. Did you do anything? Did you fade anyone? Charbonnet getting the full workload? That was the only thing that I decided to take. Oh, same with you. Exact same with you. I went Charbonnet, and I don't touch any other Seattle receivers because not only are you gambling that a receiver is going to get a yard marker, you're gambling which one it's going to be, right? Like, it's it's a lot of teams you can kind of pick and choose and go, this guy that's getting the numbers right now. Seattle, it's a guy. There's four guys it can be. I'll go with Charbonnet. I think I parlayed him for both a number of carries and a yardage prop because I think there's a chance Seattle realizes, hey, we can't just go let Geno Smith throw over and over and over into a Dallas pass defense that's been really, really good. So I think they are going to, as obnoxious as it's going to feel for Seattle fans to watch DK Metcalf run 15 routes before he gets a target, the reality is they can't turn Geno loose against this defense. You've got to kind of slow this game down a little bit. So I've got a couple of props going the way of Seattle's run game, but not against this defense. I could not bet any aerial numbers for Seattle. Dak just took a sack in the red zone on a third and goal, so it looks like it's going to be a field goal for Dallas. So anybody that was on the under in this, this is what That's we want me, to see. Baby. You want to see drives ending in field goals. You want to see a lot of receptions for Dallas's offense. But if it ends in field goals, that makes everybody happy. Hey, does it feel to you like Seattle's starting to... I don't even want to use the word regress. I'd say almost, well, maybe it'd be regress to the mean. I mean, they had the one of the easiest schedules the first 11 weeks. I was always skeptical about Seattle this year. Really just Geno Smith and the way he tailed off last season. Haven't seen the same. You've seen some flashes at moments. I feel like now the defense has certainly gotten healthier, and that's helped them, especially in the secondary. Seattle just feels like a team to me that's, eh, maybe they sneak into the playoffs, but they're just kind of meh at this point. No, look, they felt they felt like an average team. I think the Geno Smith story has been fun. I'm certainly pulling for the guy with the background he's got, with the career story that he's got. I would love to see Geno explode and, and have himself a one-day-it's-a-Disney-movie story. But the reality, the reality is this team just kind of with Geno, unless he is hitting career marks, it just always felt kind of average to me. 
And on top of that, you look at the division mate they're getting twice in San Francisco. Sean McVay and the Rams, they're not going anywhere. They're not good, but they're like, they're not going to let you walk in and get easy dubs away from them. So I was never as high on Seattle as everybody else was at the beginning of the year. Like I saw a lot of people picking them as maybe a long shot dark horse in the NFC. Oh, but yeah. I, I love Gino. I do. Like I said, I'm pulling for him. I'm not putting any money on him. I can't do it. I love the guy. Can't do it. What do you think about the Texans this year and this weekend, actually? The Broncos having a lot of momentum, riding a long win streak, five games. Uh, C.J. Stroud obviously looks like the real deal. Probably should have beaten Jacksonville. Uh, that kick was just a, a hair shy of sending them to overtime. They're three-point favorites at the crib, but the Broncos' defense has looked a lot better in the last month or so. So I, I think you got two different stories. For Denver, it looks like Sean Payton has kind of found his groove, right? Like, that's what everybody was waiting for. And I was scared. I think we talked about this back at the beginning of the season. I was scared that Sean Payton was going to have lost the mojo. There was just too much tape, too much film. And even with a season or two off, for him to rehaul the playbook was going to be too big of an ask for him. But I think they've kind of scaled it back a little bit. I think they've kind of put the priority on letting Russell Wilson thrive. That dude has kind of found his way back. Uh, Houston, who we started talking about, I love. And I love because of D'Amico Ryans. Like right now, I know we're having all these different conversations about who coulda, shoulda, woulda be coach of the year at the end of the year. D'Amico Ryans better be in that discussion. He better be like in the finals. He better be towards the top of that list when it gets done. I love that dude. I covered that dude when he was at, at Alabama a number of years ago. And even then, he was just a cat that if, if you were in a room with D'Amico Ryans, he was one of those guys that had that presence that you're like, you're tuned in and you're ready to run through a brick wall for this guy. Even if you're a dumb, fat, overweight media guy covering the team, when D'Amico was getting the boys hype, you kind of felt like you were ready to run through a wall for the guy. Uh, and then there's C.J. Stroud who is real deal, which made the David Tepper comments this week all that much more hilarious for those of us covering that team. But these two guys are the real deal. And more importantly, they've got everybody to buy. And I don't think that Houston is like wildly more talented than Carolina. I think D'Amico Ryans has put together a locker room that is on one page and culture can win you a handful of games. I don't think they're ready yet. I don't think they're a contender yet. I don't think they're going to win that division. I still think Jacksonville is a better football team. But I'm telling you, two years from now, the Houston Texans might be real good because D'Amico was the right hire in that spot. Yeah, I, I think we're looking at a team that's not only going from a worst-to-first type of scenario, but building something for the long-term future. Talking to Rob Brown, BetMGM tonight. Before we get to college, we can't talk about the NFL and not talk about the premier matchup this weekend. You want to talk about real deal and somebody proving or a team proving who the real deal is. We got the Eagles. We got the 49ers. 49ers now three-point favorites on the road at Philly. I snagged out when it was Eagle, or 49ers two-and-a-half. I like San Francisco in this. I think that's the best team in the NFL. But the one thing that I can't do, Rob, is overlook something that the 49ers haven't shown us that the Eagles have. And it's the Eagles' ability to come back in games and Jalen Hurts 
even if he looks horrendous like he did against the Chiefs in the first half on Monday Night Football, he just never loses confidence. The team never loses confidence, and they find ways to win. Meanwhile, Brock Purdy, who I love, you want to talk about stories, love the story, but he's the lowest-rated quarterback in the NFL when they're trailing or tied in the fourth quarter or overtime. So he's got to prove that they can play from behind if they want to have success in the playoffs. Those are two things that I really want to see in this game. I'd love to see a scenario where the 49ers are actually down just to see if Brock Purdy can handle it. Let's start with this. I think at our like in our soul, we all just hope that that game is as good as the Minnesota-Chicago game, right? If it's anywhere as close <laughs> to as entertaining as Minnesota-Chicago, it's going to be great. Um, no, I'm really glad you hit on that. That's something I've been pushing on my show all week. I went back to that Philadelphia-Buffalo game. Josh Allen spent a week telling us, hey, I'm back. I found the mojo. I'm in good shape. Josh Allen came out through for, what was it, 330 and three touchdowns. Jalen Hurts had 90 yards in the first half. Now, it was rainy. It was gross. It was nasty. But he had 90 yards in the first half to Josh Allen's, like, 170. And I think all of us were kind of like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Like, is this going to say more about the Bills or the Eagles? Either way, we got a game. And then Jalen Hurts, late in that game, just started making every correct decision, right? Started making every correct decision. In the few games that San Francisco is trailed, the ones that they didn't have Debo. Because I will say, I think San Francisco is in trouble if either McCaffrey or Debo Samuels go down. Like, if they're down to one of those two guys, that offense does not operate on the same wavelength. So I think they've got to do what they can do to get guys healthy. But in the games they've gone down without or with both of those guys healthy and playing, a lot of that has been because Brock Purdy kind of loses the mojo a little bit. And if he's playing a if he's playing a style of football that digs them into a hole, because San Francisco should not trail in a game. They've got that much offensive firepower. If he's playing in a way that puts him in a hole, and I'm not talking about a quick three or a quick seven out of the gate, but, you know, we're in the third, we're in the early fourth, and San Francisco's down 7-10-14, the style of play that put them in the hole is the style of play that keeps them from climbing out of the hole. I think Kyle Shanahan's done an excellent job designing an offense for a young and experienced quarterback to kind of, you don't have to make a ton of decisions, right? You got two reads. One's going to be open, get the ball out. It's actually the same offense that I hope Carolina starts running with Bryce Young now that Frank Reich is out. But he's done such a good job designing that that I think it covers up who Brock Purdy actually is. And if San Francisco down the line ends up stepping into an actual franchise quarterback, that team will be a juggernaut, dudes. Just like that, though, the Seahawks just went up 7-3. A 73-yard touchdown pass from Geno Smith to DK Metcalf. Glad I stayed away from that under. I told you. I told you take DK. Didn't I say it? Didn't. Yeah, that's what she said. That's you've always been heavy on DK. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, just to follow up before I ask you about college, because we got to talk about the Pac-12 championship game. But do you think that's what makes Philadelphia a better team than than San Francisco is the identity and the makeup where they can come back from big deficits and Jalen can sort of pull this team up from the depths of despair and San Francisco cannot do that with the style of play that they operate? I don't think Philadelphia, like Philadelphia is interesting to me in that there's a lot of games that it kind of feels like Philadelphia should be blowing teams out and they don't. They just, they just do enough, right? They're just a grit. I hate it because it sounds so cliche. It sounds so boomer of me, but they're just gritted out. Take the lunch pail. Winning by three is the same as winning by 30. Let's go get wins. And they don't, 
I don't think they overextend themselves. Like, I think they know what they're going to do. At the end of the day, what is the brotherly shove? It is the simplest play in the history of football, and it works every time because it's just blue collar, put your head down, and go get it. And by the way, NFL defenses, stop jumping over the brotherly shove. That's not where the ball is. But that's another rant for another time, uh, which drives me up a damn wall, by the way. Anyway, I think Philly is just a team that doesn't care. It's not about superstardom. It's not about flash. It's not about sizzle. They're happy to win every game by three. They're happy if every game ends the way that the Buffalo game ended. Happy if every game ends the way the Chiefs game ended, as long as they end with the Eagles on top. And I think that is the identity that they have built around Nick Sirianni and and, and that offensive line, which is kind of the unheralded star of that show right now. Jalen Hurts is not scrambling around for four, five, six seconds and finding Devontae in the end zone or finding, uh, excuse me, uh, Grim Sleeper in the end zone if that offensive line isn't built, constructed, and play the way that they play. So I just think that's the identity. And while I agree, I think San Francisco is a better football team. Philly does a really good job at breaking your offense apart piece by piece and just kind of wearing you down. I'm taking the over in this game, to be honest with you, but I would not be shocked if this game is three points in either direction when it's all said and done. Let's talk about the Pac-12 championship game. We got about a minute, Rob. You know how these hard outs are. Uh, Oregon, nine and a half point favorite in Vegas. That's sort of stunning to me, given how the last matchup went. All the public money seems to be on Washington, undefeated ranked team higher. Uh, What do you see this one looking like? Trista, we have talked about this a lot. I have told you over and over. I think the most complete team in college football is the Oregon Ducks, and I'm betting it this way. I am riding Ducks minus nine and a half. I like that pick a lot. I think Bo Nix shreds. I like Michael Penix Jr. a lot. But of the two, since they played, Bo Nix has been the better quarterback. Oregon's been the better offense. And I think they've got a better defense. And on top of that, look, to me, winning their end. They win. They're punching a ticket to the playoffs. Oregon nine and a half. Let's ride. Woo! Rob Brown, the fan quack, quack. of state. Of course, part of the BetQL family as well. Always love talking to you, buddy. Thanks for jumping on. Pleasure, guys. We'll see you all next week with some football. Every Thursday, same time, Rob Brown, live reaction, college football, and whatever the hell else is going on. 7-3, Seattle over the Cowboys. 6-12 to go in the first quarter. It's BetMGM tonight.